0: We're here to ignite your fire by highlighting the success and innovation of other movement professionals. This is the PT on Fire podcast. All right, we've got a special guest today. We've got two people on the other end of this microphone. Um, From BCMS, we've got Mary DeLong and Alicia Mahoney. Welcome to the show, ladies. Yes. yes. And so, BCMS stands for Business and Clinical Management Services, and we actually just had the opportunity to have Mary uh, come to our clinic and do an on-site uh, assessment of how compliant we are in the world of physical therapy. And I'll tell you what, it was absolutely enlightening. And this was just last week, so we had you here for three days, and. I just can't tell you how much we appreciate you coming out here and all the great things that you uh, showed us that we need to uh, change to be more compliant.
1: Well, Andrew, I, I know that there certainly are things that we feel like we should do and must do, but you also have to look at it from the positive things. Look at how many things you do right. Well, yes. And the excellent services that you're delivering so from that end, we look, at, we look at the strengths, and then we look at opportunities to enhance that whole picture.
0: And I can tell you it was an absolutely great experience. It was very difficult um, for us to go through it, but it was definitely a, a good experience. So tell us a little bit about you know, your services, tell us about your company. Uh, before we start to talk about how great our experience was having you here, why don't you explain to the listeners you know, the things that you do, and and your expertise, your background, who you are, and where you come from.
1: Okay, well, um, I am a physical therapist, and have been for, um, started out, just like everyone else, as a clinician, thinking I would be a clinician all of my life, and sadly found out that, you know, your body does surrender, my hands especially, and when that happened, I uh, really looked at what could I do to um, still stay in the field, but uh, maybe offer something outside of the box a little bit. And that's how I got into compliance. I've always kind of had that, that type of, uh, I guess, behavior. Uh, when I was in the hospital services, I, I was on the fire and safety committee and peer review. <clears throat> All those types of things and as I went into outpatient I uh, collaborated with some of my colleagues and we all divided up uh, areas of compliance that we needed to be aware of because it's, it's so gigantic and we would share those our findings with me quarterly and so from that I said you know what maybe if uh, we provided that service to outpatient therapists uh, and therapy practices it would take some of the burden off of trying to research what, what we have to do to be compliant and, and to know that the resources are, are validated and based on regulation. It's not just uh, you know, Mary's soapbox. Um, so that's really how we started the compliance in the BCMS. Uh, and we are in 48 states. What we do is um, strictly uh, focused on outpatient service. About 95% is physical therapy, but we also do provide services and compliance uh, support and programs for third-party biller, professional therapist, and speech and language pathologist. So we, we still stay in the outpatient arena. and we be uh, the uh, referred to the compliance program and it's it's based on as I said regulations um, that govern us So yes everybody knows about HIPAA. some people know about OSHA we all know about labor law we have you know all kinds of policy layers and of course we have labor uh, we also have the, the labor laws that are related to state. Uh, operations, and last but not least, our practice acts. So we put all of that into um, policies and procedures, which uh, are customizable. We don't walk away. We don't give you a box and say, hey, here it is. Just put this into place. We're there. We help implement. We're there for support, for Q&A, those types of things. And that's our biggest, um, I, I guess, product line. Uh, We do also audits just as I did for you, uh, Andrew. Come onto the site and we look at your physical plant and how it complies with regulations, uh, billing and documentation. And again, you know, things like, you know, do you have uh, personnel uh, files, medical files, what's in them, are you meeting the regulations? Um, We do off site billing and, and record audits. Uh, of education Um, we also have a piece a product line uh, that is involved with of uh, outpatient providers and that really is a a pretty large piece of our business as well Um, so that's kind of it in a nutshell Um, I'd be glad to uh, elaborate on an area that you'd like me to address
0: Absolutely. I, I think, you know, one of the, one of the uh, you know, ideas that really I became enlightened to is that there are definitely resources for OSHA, there's definitely resources for HIPAA, but when it comes to, you know, our practice act and the regulations of each payer requires us to follow in our documentation and our billing and our coding, it's really hard to find the information out there, and we... We relied um, on our EMR system to, you know, to. We really felt like we were uh, following the rules because we had this fancy, highly recommended EMR system that, you know, touts and and, and really uh, brags about how, uh, you know, audit proof they are. I think that's even in their marketing that they are, you know, compliant and audit proof with all the regulators, you know, all the payers, um, including Medicare. And then come to find out that. Really, you know, the, that reliance on the EMR system is not a good idea because what we found is, you know, we're just really not compliant with that. And and it's interesting because, um, you know, you had made a kind of an analogy that the difficulty in finding the information on how to be compliant is kind of like driving down the road and not having a speed limit sign, and then you get pulled over, and you're like, wait a minute, I didn't know what the speed limit was. You know and and I feel like we, we actually we actually got audited uh, six months ago for the first time uh, Blue Cross came in and did uh, kind of a you know an eight chart audit and and uh, we haven't heard back the results yet from that but I can tell you that's when we started going down this rabbit hole of well are we compliant or not and why did they come in in the first place and so after bringing you in we really now are you know, We have a really, really strong idea of not only why they came in, but also what we can do in the future to, to make sure they don't come back. And if they do come back, we're going to be ready for them and very compliant. And it's funny because it's like the information's not out there. I mean, it's just not easy to find.
1: And, and that is one of the things that I think for a practice owner is so critical. You, know, you're, you have so many hats on. And you know, you have a clinical head on, you have operations head on, you have and uh, you're right, getting the information and in no accurate and current book club. And that's that's why um actual and when we generate policies as we do um, we are always updating those to make certain that you know little things that happen, big things that happen, uh, are you know on your desk at, as soon as uh, possible and certainly before deadlines. Uh, nothing's worse than to be told, "Oh yeah, but well, uh, about two years ago," and you're going, "Oh my God, you know, right. that's that's a crazy thing." So, but. I think the timeliness and the accurateness is something that uh, is a challenge. It's a challenge for all the owners. And we use we use a, a newsletter, an e-newsletter, to relate things that are significant. We call our newsletter SIPA, which stands for Seriously Important Practice Alerts. And my pledge to our clients was that this would not be food, would not be something to write just because I want to get one out every month or something of that nature. There are times when we may send two, three, four as information is changing at that pace. And so as regulators release things, as we get final rules, um, we try to distill that down to some simple language. And then, of course, follow up with policy and procedure if it's necessary. And a good example is um, two years ago, um, decided that we should all be compliant with global harmonizing. And that means that we all talk the same language throughout the world as it relates to to safety and uh, environmental health issues. So they changed how we handle um, material safety data sheets. They took the material word away. So we have safety data sheets. And then pictograms had a, um, a distributed to all employees and uh, to be educated. And they're a, you know, it looks like a fire, it looks like a bomb, those types of things. And so now we're implementing uh, those things throughout the country, but uh, providers are healthcare providers, not just healthcare providers, excuse me, you know, people uh, that are re- required to educate. So that went out in CIPA, the colorful pictograms. so education could begin so that's just an example of course we, we as things like uh, pqrs all of those types of things that that had some timelines and uh, quite a bit of detail to them we again put those in Sipa in as simple language as we can so it can be implemented uh, readily
0: You know, and and one of the things I really appreciate is your stories. You've got really, really good stories of things in the past. So I don't, and I don't, I do, I I do kind of want to scare the listeners a little bit because I think sometimes when you get a little fear in you, it it motivates you to make better decisions. And um, and just on a side note for everybody who's listening today, the audio is a little choppy just because we're. It's 8 degrees outside, and we've got a nice winter storm happening, and I think there's just some bad, you know, connection. But you're going to have to bear with us on this episode. Um, but why don't you tell us some stories, Mary, of maybe some things in the past that your clients have gone through as far as, you know, compliance issues, you know, where they really weren't compliant and they had some bad things happen to them. Um, I guess I think Luke at a couple of
1: things again a lot of what we do is it's very very specific to uh regulation and i'll tell you about one situation where a pt was compliant but a payer felt they weren't and because you paint a certain picture when you when you render a claim and so this particular therapist was um uh, focusing on the um uh, interventions and obviously used neuromuscular read predominantly on his coding. and as a result, he fell out of the norm for his peer group. So uh, and this related to Medicare, Medicare uh, audited his charts and they actually did uh, decide that, well, the use of neuromuscular was okay. but since we're here looking at your charts, and um, really give this a, a good look. Because the language for vestibular therapy is so different, the tests are so different, the auditors really couldn't determine whether the patient was making progress. And then just about every day to service as not medically necessary. Uh, so we had to go back and obviously appeal these and we ended up going as far as uh, ALJ, the administrative law judge, uh, which is you know, a pretty high level of audit to prove our case. Um, but this goes back to using EMRs our systems that really don't explain what you're doing. Um, we had to you know, define the test. We had to explain what they did. We had, went back and looked at. Um, Could we have used other codes to better describe what was happening to the patient through the course of the episode? And um, we're, you know, about half a million dollars uh, that Medicare was saying, you know, we're going to look at this, we're extrapolating over X number of years, and this is how much you owe us. So as it turned out, we were able to get it overturned. But it was, a, it was a tremendous learning experience for this therapist because, uh, and, and those of you who have heard me speak before, you know we have to show what we do on the claim. Um, how we build certainly sets a stage for is there a picture of pro- um, coding to purpose is very, very important. Coding to definition is absolutely And it's just a matter of really getting that mindset and taking corrective action where it's appropriate. Um, I had a case recently, and and this is is a heads up for everybody who kind of has um, a practice in motion, I call it, you continue to expand, you set up another practice, and in all of that activity, you fail to alert your payers um, that you have a new practice site or that you have relocated. And one of my recent clients uh, did not notify Medicare, and he added a new staff member, which triggers a Medicare audit, just a site audit to prove that you were there. Um, they went to his previous place of business, and it was empty. And um, strange as it may seem, even though they had uh, a billing address, which was different than the physical address, um, they sent the notice to him site. They sent their second notice to the vacant site. And then they stopped paying him. And that was the reason that he found out that hey, what's going on? And they said, oh, well, we have revoked your billing privileges for two years because you were supposed to let us know that you had a new practice site, you relocated, that is the law, and um, we're not going to allow you to treat uh, Medicare patients for two full years. Um, In this case, also, we were able to to work with this client and to overcome that uh, revocation of billing privileges, but it is a serious thing. And Medicare, just like other firms, in which you have to let them know that things have changed. If you uh, add a managing entity, if you if you have a new uh, or a new partner, relocate. There are a number of things. You have to let these payers know, or they can revoke your pri- your billing privileges. And uh, that's certainly a trickle-down effect, because when Medicare does that, everybody else falls suit, because that's an adverse uh, action, and um, it is uh, it has severe penalties.
0: Which is absolutely amazing. I mean, it, it's amazing to think that they can just so easily shut you down, basically. Talk about, um, you know, I know we have kind of a mixed audience, we have we have business owners that listen, we have physical therapists that aren't necessarily business owners that want to get into different areas of, of, the, of the field of physical therapy. How do, are the compliance, um, you know, issues only going to be falling on the owner of the clinics or are some of these compliance issues going to fall back onto the individual as well? Excellent, excellent question
1: billing, okay, Um, and we'll talk uh, just briefly about the False Claims Act, and False Claims Act is exactly that. I'm not going to get into what the law, uh, what all the aspects of the law, but one of the things is that what you do with a patient um, has to be represented by documentation and then uh, subsequently on your claim. Uh, If a therapist uh, shows reckless disregard of the requirement, they then could be subject to the False Claims Act. And that is personal to the individual because billing is done at the individual level for the services. Um, I know for those of you who have rehab agencies, um, the billing is done at the facility level, but that's only for Medicare if that type of billing goes on for your other payers you then still have an issue and and for correct coding so that's an area uh, when we look at hipaa hipaa uh, when they introduced high tech and the affordable care act drilled it down to if there are um, uh, violations they can go down to the individual level now you know that clinic also will Will be a deep pocket when there is any type of financial penalty, but the the individual therapist certainly is accountable and um, has to, um, I guess, pony up when um, these violations are determined.
0: So, define reckless disregard. That's a, a we might we've talked about that several okay. times, and then what's the opposite of that? <laughs>
1: Oh, reckless disregard, well, that's uh, acting on uh, known information. So if reckless disregard, and we also have um, deliberate ignorance, those are two terms, they are legal terms, and they are uh, stipulated in the False Claims Act. And so reckless disregard is when you uh, have an opportunity to know the correct way to do things, and you say, you know what? I'm just going to do it my own way. I'm going to put my uh, my head in the sand and um, just ignore it and do the way you like it. The deliberate, well, actually, I just reversed that. Deliberate ignorance is um, that where you don't want to know and don't tell me. I I'm gonna, I know what. I want to do it, and this won't apply to me because, gosh, you know, it's just one person or it's just one little clinic, and we can go on and do our own thing versus doing the right thing, reaching out to get your information, looking and verifying that the source that you use is accurate, and giving it your very best to comply with the requirements. So, you know. That's one of the things when you and I were talking about EMR um, products, uh, we do often rely on those uh, entities. Um, they're not always correct. Um, they're not always comprehensive. So you have a responsibility as an owner, but also as a practitioner, to say, hey, well, I got this information and I can't find it, I can't get to it, I can't utilize The software appropriately to get this um, information uh, in my documentation. So you would um, be uh, reckless if you didn't pursue this. And uh, you you know, there's you just really have to go the link to, to get it resolved.
0: Right, deliberate ignorance is so much feels so much better when you just ignore yeah. things. And you know, that that's so much easier. I wish that I could just do that, but uh, the reality is, I you can't, and you just have to be, you know, you have to be proactive and really kind of stand up for, you know, your license and your ability to be a PT because it can be taken away from you real quickly.
1: Well, and you know, I remember one time I was giving a presentation. And this therapist uh, kind of raised her hand, and she said, "You know, how long has this been out?" And this probably maybe was you know three or four, or five years ago. And I said, "Since 2006." And she said, "You know, what rock was have I been under? Right? How did I? I miss this." <laughs> and um, you know, I said, "Well, you know, in focusing on clinical things." Uh, when you see compliance, or you see billing and coding, and all that, you you put that you know on the shelf. I'll get to it, and it, that's unfortunate because it can have severe ramifications.
2: Well, you know, Marion, offering the perspective from a from a employee or a staff therapist, it, like what Andrew said, it's hard to find a lot of that information, and it almost seems so daunting. It, it makes you not even want to pursue finding it, and that's what was nice. You know, on, on my end when you came to our clinic and, and spoke to us on Friday, it's like everything that you said, it just felt like it was anchored in truth and everything was kind of right there in front of us. We didn't need to go out and search for it because you've already done that. You've already kind of gone to all these different resources and, and found out the truth of it, which then you presented to us in a, in a way that makes it doable for us to implement and not this kind of this daunting task uh, for implementation. And, uh, you know, and then that gives, it's nice because it gives us more confidence with doing our documentation. Like, like you said, I mean, each individual therapist, we each have our own license number that's license that's on the line if we're doing fraudulent billing. And uh, so it's nice on our end to have the confidence when we are doing the documentation. Hey, you know, now we know we are being compliant. We've made strides. It's up to us to now put into play what you laid out in front of us and uh if we do that that'll protect our license so from you know from yeah and from my perspective it was it's very helpful in that sense just a confidence booster
0: we even had another pt on monday after you came we did another meeting and kind of just reviewed some things and she said man we really needed that you know and and it's it's it was really tough to go through you know a three day on site with a five hour staff training but i do think that there is kind of a level of like Uh, weight off the shoulders maybe um, from everybody just going, gosh, you know, I know know it's hard to implement these things, but I also feel better knowing now um, because I think deep down inside, we all know that we don't learn this stuff in grad school. We don't learn this stuff anywhere Mm -hmm. and we focus so much on clinical skill development, but yet, you know, the other stuff is maybe more important because that's how we get
2: paid. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, from the clinical side, You know, everything we do, we try to base it on the truth of how the body moves. And so when, and what we always talk about is if you base all your strategies on truth, then it makes it easier to then implement the strategies and techniques. And you don't even need to memorize all this crazy stuff that is, you feel like, you know, one thing is from that source, the other one's from that source, the other one's from that source. And so, yeah, exactly like Andrew said, we needed that. It makes it, it does take the weight off your shoulders just knowing Uh, kind of like I said the confidence and knowing that it's all kind of right there in front of us and we just need to implement it and uh, so that's all I was wanting to say there.
1: Well Anna thank you for that Uh, and and, a word to the wise too there are a lot of consultants floating around and um, the name does not guarantee the quality of the service I would always tell you to challenge and where, did you, where is the resource to support that? Uh, Andrew and I sat down, and um, we were dealing with an issue with um, plan of care. And it's something that therapists have uh, to deal with who don't have full direct access or don't have direct access at all. And getting the physician to sign a plan of care uh, when you Are bringing the patient to them. It's not a source of referral. And so I said, you know, Andrew, I think that we're asking too much um, and putting too much uh, on the piece of paper that they feel obligated to, let me go through this and evaluate it, is uh, to certify that the patient is under the care of that doctor at the time that the plan of care Episode is developed so the, the the length of that episode and um, and so we have refashioned that but I said you know I just want to go to the regulation and let's highlight I believe just asking them to certify that the patient is under their care is the appropriate thing so we went to the regulation we pulled out all the individual statements um, that were applicable. And we're going to uh, put that together. Uh, and I think Andrew is, is going to be talking to his physicians, um, a quick reference tool that, is, that specifies the regulation and where that information came from. And that's the thing that a consultant should do. They, If you, if a consultant walks in and uh or it's on the phone, or whatever it is, and just tells you, hey, this is, this is not correct, or this is not compliant, or you have a deficiency, there should be an ex- expectation for them to provide you with resources and help guide you through that corrective action. And do that based on regulation. Now, I will tell you some things are based on risk management. But the majority of the things that we're talking about are are certainly uh, regulations and um, challenge them. To, where did you you know can can you give me the resource so I can keep that in my file in the event someone challenges me?
0: Absolutely, I think that. So so tell us a little bit about that. What you know the you talked about that not all consultants are basically. You know the same, and there's a lot of information out there. What makes you an expert? Where where do you get? Are there certifications that you go through, or you know, are have you just as an experience I know obviously you have a lot of experience. Tell us about how you became the compliance expert. Oh
1: well, you know, I kind of I kind of waver with that expert word. Uh, you know, I don't know what makes you an expert. I I certainly have uh, a trend. I did sit for my healthcare compliance. Um, certification uh, through the Healthcare uh, Compliance Association. And I uh, did that in 2001. At the time, I believe I was the only physical therapist who was certified in compliance. And it, it's a very broad um, uh, test. Uh, so, you're, like sitting for boards, and um, you it, it it includes more than just like outpatient services. So there are a lot of things that are applicable to, uh, bins, to hospitals. Uh, HIPAA wasn't um, around when I, um, I set for certification, but of course that is part of it. So you have oh you have a lot of different laws, and um, to keep your certification you have required education just like we do for our license. Sure. Uh, we have conferences and. And a lot of educational opportunities um, through the association. So that that was my foundation. Um, but as I mentioned early, it, uh, earlier, just constant, and I call it perpetual research. It is looking out to valid uh, organizations to um, to to shore up what we are telling you, and to pull these regulations. Uh, up and then to put them in practical terms in applications
0: that was some really pretty christmas ringtones i heard in the background here. <laughs> is that what, what what song i couldn't tell what song that was but that was really nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So Sorry about that. it's I all turned good. Off everything you said that just it's shows not. you
0: how authentic we are. We're not, uh, you know, that's this is a real conversation. So you've also been able, I mean, it's you're fortunate enough to have a family business. Tell us about Alicia. What what's Alicia's role? It's, it's obviously, well, the listeners don't know, but it's your daughter, right? So Alicia, we, we haven't, we don't want to ignore you. We're, we're, you're on you're on the call too. So tell us what you do. Oh, I, I
3: wear a multitude of hats, but it is fun to be in a family business. Um, I've been working on and off for BCMS, oh my gosh, probably since I was 16. So um, like my mom, aka Mary, um, I've been around for a while and I almost feel like um, I speak PT. But um, my role is really um, marketing and sales, um, but I also am really the trainer. Um, I'm the person who, how to dive into our compliance program. One of the things that Mary said earlier in the conversation was, is we don't give you a box and then walk away. Um, I'm really going to be there and I handhold clients to help them implement. So I can go to meetings and purchase something. I give them what I call try before you buy and let you look, look into the compliance program. Um, what makes us different is that uh, from some of the other compliance programs is we have policies and procedures out there. So um, I walk you through what that program looks like so that you know what you're getting before you purchase it. And then once you purchase it, I can hold you. And Andrew, you were funny I mean, when you first purchased. Um, okay, we got we got our stuff. What am I gonna do first? that's the kind of stuff I do. I get on a you know call and I train you. I, I show you the buckets and how to organize things and what you should print out and and then I with questions, you know, what I can pay great. But, um, you know, that's really, I am a customer, customer server. We like to have that uh, relationship because we want you to, we want the concern to be lifted. And for your, when you feel like you have a question about something and you want to make sure you're doing it right, that we're right there for you. And so um, that's really my role, um, you know, with the clients.
2: And I
0: think that's really, really important because so many times I think we buy things. Uh, you know whether it's an EMR system or you know something that's out there that you know and and the support that comes along with that then just goes away you know after you know you purchase it or you know even before and I think it's really important to be able to have that team of people that are always there for you that kind of walk you down the path and I can tell you that what you just described has been exactly the experience I've had with you and it's been really helpful because This whole stuff, all this compliance stuff is so painful for me to go through because I don't like it. And so it's hard to pay attention. It's hard to listen. It's hard to know where to go next. And you guys have been really, really good as a team, Uh, but especially you, Alicia just helping us when we need help being there, you know, and just taking the time. I mean, it's funny. I'll send an email out and then all of a sudden, you know, we're on a call 10 minutes later. And uh, that's just an absolutely great feeling to have.
3: Yeah. No, I, I had a client. that was really cute. Um, she called me yesterday, or actually two days ago. And I was having a computer problem, horrible, horrible laptop that had, I have no business ever using again. But she was trying to um, do one of the features that I find and replace, which is pretty simple. You know, if you know Microsoft Word at all, it's a simple little thing that you know is inside of our programs. So but basically, it makes. All of our manuals become yours with you know one click. Well, she was stuck because she was on a Macintosh, and of course it didn't look the same as what you know the training had shown. And so, uh, because I record all of the training and send it to you in a YouTube, so that you can go back and look at them, you know, if you want to go that way, or you can show it to other staff members, etc. And so. I got her and I was like, okay, let's get on a good meeting and we're going to share your screen so I can look at yours. And we literally played around with it until we figured out how to do it, you know, on her Macintosh. and back. And she was so funny because I think she thanked me 10 times and I was like, I'm just doing my job. This is, I just want to make sure you can get this done. I mean, I don't want somebody not doing an easy feature because of a technical difficulty. And so it's job affords me um the opportunity to work with unbelievable people because i've always been a huge fan of pts and then to provide relief and uh, you know and assistance has been you know
1: awesome so thanks I appreciate the kudos yeah i I will say this um while we do to um write all the policies one thing and alicia said with the click chores not quite that simple people, the (laughs) clinic means you can put your name, you personalize the policies. Each policy has some variables and those variables need to fit your clinic, otherwise you have a compliance program that could be the clinic next door or whatever. So there are things and choices you have to make, and we guide you through those. So we, we use a color code system, and it tells you if it's this color, you can um, modify it, um, and we'll work with you on those things. So um, there is personalization with the one-click, but the customization is really something that then turns this into your compliance process.
0: And you guys are so organized. I mean, what you've given me and, you know, you guys can find things so fast in all your manuals. So we really appreciate that. So as all, yep, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, and that is, that's very much of a compliment. And that's, that's what I always have said is my strong point on Teresa. She's uh, my daughter-in-law. So we keep expanding the family business. And she is teaching us process improvement, which is its truly a science and an art put together. And so we we want to make this even better and smoother. And how can we make certain that this is the best and easiest method for our clients to use?
0: We love it. It's been one of the best experiences we've had. And, and uh, we're, we're just really confident moving forward. So for our listeners... We're kind of getting towards the end of the episode. We always have something awesome to give away, and it's and it, and it has nothing to do with us, but it has everything to do with the guests. And so you guys have something special that you want to give to our listeners, and that is called a free risk assessment. Tell us a little bit about that free risk assessment, and then we'll tell everybody how they can find it.
1: Okay, so the free risk assessment is a multi-page document. It um, allows you to uh, look and major regulation that impacts healthcare care uh, professionals, and to determine whether you have met that compliance mandate, and to uh, score it as far as is it a high risk area, and are you vulnerable, that type. But the individual things and components of these regulations, well, here, I can just check this off. Yes, that's right. That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> right, wow. I didn't even know this was a regulation that applied to me. So I'll provide you with it. It is an eye opener for most practices because there are things that you know you might not be aware of, like the list of the excluded individuals through the Office of Inspector General. So we put things on there that uh, are absolutely critical. Uh, most are regulatory, as I said. Some are risk. Management, but it does give you uh, a
0: list, a checklist. And <laughs> I would make sure I would recommend to everybody who does the free risk assessment that you have beer with it, uh, because it is <laughs> it can be it can be a little stressful, uh, but it is I think it's a really really great start and it's exactly how we started. So we went through that free risk assessment. We realized all the areas that we weren't compliant, and then we it was it was a done deal. We recognized we needed help. And um, If there's one thing I've learned over the past five or six years, it's that you, know, you can't do everything yourself and sometimes you just need the help of an expert. So, We really appreciate that. We're going to have that free risk assessment in the show notes of the episode. You just simply have to go to the box that says free risk assessment, it'll be a nice big image. You click the box and we'll have that uh, sent to you directly. How do the listeners find you guys if they want to talk to you about your services and, and becoming more compliant? Alicia,
3: you want to handle that? That would be me. Um, I am typically the, the first touch point with regards to um, potential clients. Um, you would email me initially and my email address will be in the notes. Um, and then from there, I usually set up a quick, you know, 30-minute go-to meeting, again, so you can really see what products and services we offer, get a look inside. Um, I do walk through the risk assessment, um, you know, an overview, and just to kind of add to that, I've had a lot of clients who've come and said, I only could check off two things on this whole list.
0: Yeah, that was us.
3: <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. i not go like this because, I uh, the you know, list, that you're going to do the, you know, bury your head in the sand thing, and we can help you. You will have a policy for everything when it's all said and done. But I'm your certainly call my office, which is 713-899-9812, and I am happy to take an appointments and certainly work with anyone.
0: Awesome. Well, you guys have been absolutely a pleasure to have on, and I hope everybody takes this, this topic seriously and, and recognizes that these guys are experts. They're there to help you. They're absolutely phenomenal when they come into your facility, and uh, we just really appreciate you guys being on the show, and uh, we look forward to continuing the relationship with you guys and, and, and just becoming more compliant every day that goes on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Thanks, guys.
2: It's
1: definitely our pleasure.
0: And, and, you know, enjoy the sunshine in Houston, Texas, and we'll enjoy the 8-degree snowstorm. And Everybody who is complaining about the audio, listen to the episode. Sorry. Um, you know, we'll be okay next time. But thanks again, guys, and, and we'll have you guys on in the future. And We really appreciate you, and, uh, you know, have a good rest of your day. Well, thank you, guys. Yep, we'll All see right. you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Awesome.